if the kingdom is now and will end in a glorious kingdom, is it only the church that is the kingdom? Is this world not under the jurisdiction of the kingdom of God? The Bible says Satan is the God of this world. Good morning and welcome to God's Resistance. God's Resistance is local in Wilkes-Barre in the Wyoming Valley and spreading elsewhere. If you need someone to talk to or pray with and are interested in joining a small group to help you live as the disciple of Christ, then stay tuned for contact info. My name is Eric Samborski, and I want to thank you for tuning into God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the devil, and the world. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. If you miss the radio program, then look for the God's Resistance podcast on your favorite podcast platform and YouTube and Gab TV at 9 a.m. every Sunday where these are uploaded and you're going to find other content on there as well, previous episodes especially. You can find us at godsresistance.com and on Facebook, Gab, Gab TV, and YouTube at God's Resistance, spelled G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. Make sure if you visit any of those to like, follow, and turn on notifications for helpful spiritual content. And you can find us in person every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Uh, in the Wilkes-Barre Public Square. That well, That's what we had been doing, and we may that may change a little bit. Uh, we're meeting in homes right now through the winter months, and we're trying yet to figure out how all this is to work together. So maybe maybe it'll be at 11 a.m., but stay tuned, and we're going to try and make that a little... We've got to talk through some things and pray about it. But we do want to be out in the square in the city again, as well as meeting in homes. So if you'd like to even meet with us in home, then contact us at gods.resistance at gmail.com. Or give us a call or text at 570-362-7782. Now let's listen in on today's briefing. We are continuing our series on the kingdom of God. We had started uh, in the beginning defining scripturally what is the kingdom. Last time we did, is the kingdom just a future kingdom? So we found that the kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom that started when Jesus when Jesus was on earth and he was preaching. It started in those times. He said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of God came in power on the day of Pentecost. And we see the kingdom of God spreading throughout the world. Not, not only does it mention that in Acts, in special places like Colossians, and I can't think of other ones off the top of my head, where it said the gospel had reached the whole world, which we understand is the inhabited world uh, that they understood at that time, which was probably the Roman Empire. Um, and we, we do read in other places in scripture that it is to spread throughout the whole world, which if we look through the progression of history, we see it started from this small little place and now is all over the world. There are still yet people that have not heard the gospel, but we see that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven started then and spread. It is a spiritual kingdom. As Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven cometh not with observation, uh, but the kingdom of heaven is within. The kingdom of God is within. So we see that it's a spiritual one. We see that that spiritual kingdom set up in the hearts of believers also spills out into the world around them. So this kingdom has different people inside of it. Uh, the special agents of the kingdom are the, is the church 
and the church is made up of both believing Jews and Gentiles or any ethnicity throughout the entire world. Uh, those are a special part of the church. But I want to start with this question as was alluded to in the beginning or which was asked in the beginning. Is the present world God's kingdom? This one that you and I live in this globe or this, is that really not how this works? It's kind of a tricky question. I want to start with a bit of an illustration, a biblical illustration, really, to help us understand this point of the kingdom. We're told in the scriptures that Satan is the God of this world. So does that mean that he's God uh, in, in the most sovereign manner? Does that mean that he has complete control over this world that you and I live in? I would say no, first and foremost, but let's look at another place in scripture that may help us to realize this. We think about David. He was given the kingdom by God. His son, Absalom, well, it it wasn't so great. So let's just start from where this all begins. Absalom had a brother, and I can't remember his name off the top of my head now. I wish I had written this down. Uh, a brother who raped his sister Tamar. She, he tricked her into coming into his bedroom. He raped her and David did nothing. No justice uh, was executed. David didn't deal with the issue or the problem. Absalom believed that what was done was an evil, was a, a tremendous wrong. And for two years, he harbored that vengeful spirit inside to take care of the problems that his father, the true rightful king, did not take care of. Now, David, what he didn't do right here, first and foremost, but we're trying to get a backdrop here. So two years and Absalom then invites people to come to a dinner. His father didn't end up coming, uh, but some of his father's men and his other family members, they came. And then Absalom there uh, killed his brother in vengeance for the rape uh, of Tamar. And Absalom ends up fleeing going into, I think, Gesher with a grandfather, and his name is Talmai, I think. His grandfather, he stays with for three years. It's not going so well and uh, in, in the kingdom, in David's kingdom. And Joab is basically like, when people murder somebody, they have to flee to the city of refuge. You're not giving any judgment. And some, you know, the kingdom's getting restless. They're looking at it and wondering why you aren't giving judgment. Why is this not being executed properly? And there's a bit of discontent that's breeding underneath. So you need to call Absalom back. You need to do something about this and be affirmative. He ends up calling Absalom back. Absalom comes and sees him face to face. In the midst of all this, Absalom still has that feeling that his father did not do justice. He's standing at the gates, which was the political power of a city. That's where people had ideas that they talked about. That's where judgment was had for, um, you know, anything that had happened inside of the city. They'd gather at the gates. They determine uh, what's going on. So we find Absalom meeting at the gates. And as he meets at the gates, he is hearing people's claims. Uh, I want to say their problems, their, their, the troubles that are going on there. He says, "What? where are you from? They tell him the town that he's from. And he says something to this effect. Oh, there's no justice done here. Oh, if only I was in charge, then I would do rightly. And this seems to be his motivation for years. And so in the midst of all this, he is stealing the hearts of the people of the kingdom under David. And then he says to David, I've got a vow that I made in Geshur. I need to go back. And David says, go ahead. 
Absalom gets 200 men, um, which are probably soldiers, somebody that can do something. Ahithophel, which was one of David's counselors, a top advisor, gets him on board. The conspiracy, the Bible said, was very strong. And he says, when I come back to such and such a place, you just start, you blow the trumpet and start yelling, uh, David is king in Hebron, which is not true. He never got the authority. God never gave him the authority. He simply just said it. And if I said that, um, I'm the president of the United States and I started yelling that in the streets, I'd probably get arrested. Nobody would believe that I really had that authority. However, Absalom, this is what he was up to. And David heard of it. Some of his men said, he's, uh, there's a conspiracy. Absalom's trying to do this. And because of David's guilt, he just allows all this to happen. And it seems to be not much of a check. So Jerusalem's walls, by the way, were impenetrable walls. It was said that peasants could defend Jerusalem because their walls were so great. They didn't need a great and mighty army. So here's Absalom with this conspiracy. There's no possible way by military might that Absalom is really going to overcome Jerusalem, overthrow it, and then usurp the throne. However, David willingly just leaves. And it's because of the guilt of all his sins past. He thinks God's doing this to me. So he ends up leaving. Absalom comes in and does all this. What am I bringing out by this? Absalom was the leader of a counter kingdom. He was not, he was not uh, uh, the king of any rightful kingdom. He did not have any power or authority, wasn't invested in him, but he was a counter kingdom inside the right kingdom, which was the kingdom ruled by David. And that is the picture of God's kingdom for us right now. God is the ultimate sovereign. The devil has started a counter kingdom and he, like Absalom, is going around convincing others of a discontent with God and he's not fair, he's not just. Look at all the wrong and wicked in the world, the suspended judgment. Where is God? He's, he's breeding a discontent in people and then people start to be on Satan's side and they're gonna war against God. And we know that the Bible says there is, there is a war against God. Um, this, and depending on what you believe in eschatology, the great battle of Armageddon, a, a literal, literal battle of nations that have come together to fight against Christ. Um, so here we have that going on in that type with Absalom and under the kingdom of David and in the kingdom of God in those times. It's the same now. God is the ultimate sovereign. The devil has started this counter kingdom. He's breeding discontent in people. And inside of God's sovereign authority over the kingdom, which is this world, God is king over this world. The only way that people have Satan as their God or that Satan is the God of this world is that if you do not worship God by default, Satan is your Lord. And it's whoever you serve is your Lord. So you're serving the world. He's the God of the world and its systems and all that. He's your God. That's the only way in which Satan is the God of the world, but he is not the ultimate sovereign. So is the present world God's kingdom? That's what we're going to be dealing with here. And so I said this was tricky, but the kingdom is made up of saints and sinners. The kingdom is also exclusively described as the church. How do we put these two things together? Is Satan the God of this world is having absolute reign over it as we said before? Well, Matthew 6, 13 says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil for thine, speaking to God the Father, is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. So that helps us to realize God is king over all. Thine is the kingdom. And he says, let thy will be done, uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we realize 
that he is reigning and ruling in heaven right now. We realize that he has got authority over things that are going on right now, but there's a counter kingdom underneath. And we're told, let that kingdom of God, that spiritual kingdom right now that you and I can't see, come down here on earth and let God's will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. So he's God of this world only by default. Those that do not worship God will own Satan as their God, whether they willingly say that or not, it is true. He is God of the worldlings. The kingdom, according to the scripture, is a mixture. It's a mixture of saints and a mixture of sinners. You would say, that sounds a bit crazy. That sounds almost heretical, brother. Where do you get that? Matthew 13, verses 24 through 30. Jesus said another parable, or it says, uh, another parable put Jesus forth unto them saying, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath the tares? He said unto them, an enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, nay, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather ye together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. So that's Jesus. He's giving a parable. What in the world is he talking about? It's the parable of the weeds. It shows that there's both believers and unbelievers in this present existence. It shows that there's true followers of God and pretenders, and they're all existing in the kingdom together now. Well, how do you, how do you come to that conclusion conclusively, you might ask? Well, Jesus gives us the explanation in verses 37 through 43. Jesus answers his disciples and says to them, he that soweth the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. Stop. Brother, you're saying this right now. It says the field is the world. It doesn't say the kingdom. Well, let's keep reading. The good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. The son of man shall send forth his angels and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and them which do iniquity and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father who hath ears to hear let him come. So this helps us to realize very plainly that the kingdom of God is made up of the church and the kingdom of God is made up of the wicked. Verse 41 of Matthew 13, Jesus says that the angels will send forth and they'll gather out of his kingdom. So God owns this place, this world that you and I dwell in. That is the context. This is his kingdom. He will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and which do iniquity. So that leads us to believe very plainly that this kingdom is this world. Christ is king over it. And at the end, he's going. there's going to be a judgment day and these things are going to get righted. So there won't be inside of the kingdom saints and sinners, but only saints. So God is sowing good seed now on the earth. 
And the good seed is the children of this present kingdom. The harvest is where the separation takes place. That's where we gather, that the gathering of things out of the kingdom that are already on earth, by the way, that's the context of this parable. Uh, these, these saints and sinners are already on earth. Those things that offend at the harvest will be gathered out, the judging of this kingdom. So that helps us to realize that this kingdom is made up of both saints and sinners. One more parable, uh, also in the same chapter, Matthew 13, 47 through 50. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind, which when it was full, they drew to shore and sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but cast the bad away. So shall it be at the end of the world. The angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Same kind of an idea. The net is being thrown out and gathering from the kingdom its catch. And then at the end, at the harvest, you know, or at this point where they're gathering in that, that big catch from the net, the wicked will be severed from the just because before they weren't severed. They were all dwelling together inside of this kingdom. In case you've just tuned in, you are listening to God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the devil, and the world. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK, 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. Visit and like our social media accounts with Facebook, Twitter, Gab, Gab TV, and YouTube. Visit our website at www.godsresistance.com and contact us by email at gods.resistance at gmail.com or call us at 570-362-7782. So picking up on our thought of this kingdom, not just you know, the people of God, but presently this kingdom is mixed with saints and sinners according to the scripture and what we've already looked at. Also, some other things that help us to realize this point is though Christ has gone to heaven, he has given us goods to be stewards of his kingdom with. So Matthew 25, 14, for the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. So here we find abilities, offices, opportunities to spread the kingdom on earth until he returns. So these aren't two kingdoms warring together for some unclaimed territory. God already owns the world and the fullness thereof. It's already his, he's king over all. It's just that we have the counter kingdom in here, a rebellion within the walls. And so we are given, according to this parable, we are given talents. We are given goods to make the kingdom succeed to, to wherever this mutiny, wherever this rebellion is inside of the kingdom, we're, we are overcoming it. Now, I, I probably overlapping language because before I kind of uh, studied this out with the kingdoms aspect, I would say extend the borders of his kingdom. And, and I think we understand that we are extending the borders of his kingdom in some respect. And, but I think I'm going to try not to be talking like that anymore because now I've been seeing this in a new light according to the scripture. And so I would say we are just reclaiming what is already rightfully his. That's what we're doing. And so we have 
talents. We've got things that God has given us, abilities, opportunities, positions. We've been given those. How are we going to use that? This kingdom is, the kingdom of God is this earth still right now. And we'll get into it later. Who are the special agents of his kingdom? That'll be for another time. We realize the church is the one, they're they're the, the soldiers, the ones that have the marching orders right here in this present existence. Also, the reality of the unseen world is overtaking the seen world. And there's no chance of a coup over, over Christ's rule as king. So what do I, where do I get that from? Matthew 4, 23. Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among people. So here we see, he said that the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom had a visible effect on this earth that you and I dwell in. At that point, he was overcoming sicknesses and disease and demonic depression. He said the kingdom, of, the gospel of the kingdom is here. The kingdom of God has come upon you, overtaken the devil's power, this mutiny, this rebellion, this counter kingdom here on earth. We see it breaching from the unseen to the seen on earth in the life of Jesus Christ. Let's just think about this logically for a moment too. Think about, I think we could all agree that there is a spiritual battle going on right now, an unseen spiritual battle. And it spills out into this present existence. I think we can see that that kingdom of darkness is spilling out into a very visible means throughout our society, especially throughout Western culture. We see the degradation of Western culture, but it's not just there. We can go to remote tribes on the, on the earth. We can go to poor third world countries. We still see that the kingdom of darkness is spewing out into the unseen realm. I don't think any, any one of us would really argue with that. So if that is the case, Doesn't it make sense that if there are those with the light of Christ within them, wouldn't the kingdom of light, wouldn't God's kingdom break forth in a very seen and manifest manner while we're yet still here on earth? That is the way that Christ is set up to conquer evil. It's through him. It's through his church, through his people. He set it up. Now we ultimately understand that there is coming a day where everything is going to be swallowed up and everything will be made perfectly right. But we have to balance that out because if we just think none of this is going to get fixed until the end, then we miss out on the power that he's given us now. He said, all power has been given unto me in heaven and in earth. Therefore, go and preach the gospel, make disciples of all nations. He has present power now. He's reigning and ruling right now. And you and I have been invested with that authority. So we need to make sure that we're saved people, that we're filled with the spirit of God and that we're obedient to him and his word. And as we are, then the kingdom of God, which is unseen in a large way, and I'm talking about the kingdom of light because we know the kingdom of God encompasses all of existence, will break forth into this temporal world that you and I are living in and then the kingdom of God comes face to face with people. And we know as we look into this in the scriptures, people turn to Christ because of some of these supernatural things. Now, Christ had some rebuke to tell people because he said, you just came here for all the flashbang boom and the miracles. You didn't come for the real reason. But then we look into the uh, apostles in the book of Acts. We, we see that they overtook cities and towns when a miraculous supernatural occurrence had taken place. 
uh, I think about, I want to say uh, Sergius Paulus was his name. Uh, that was around the time with Simon the Sorcerer. No, excuse me, Bar-Jesus. Uh, this man had somehow put the spell, cast a spell over this proconsular or this governor, and he puts a spell over him. And then when Paul pronounces blindness over this Bar-Jesus, the council, the proconsul, the governor, he wakes up and he converts to Christ. That supernatural invasion into this temporal world brings the kingdom of God to a manifest way. We should never forget that. We also have the sons and daughters and joint heirs of the kingdom within this overarching kingdom, within the walls of this kingdom, which includes saints and sinners. There's the sons, daughters, and joint heirs of the kingdom. And we're trying to say that this kingdom is present in this in this world right now and that this kingdom is this world. God is in control over this world. So we, re- we, we see the kingdom of heaven on earth in the hearts of people. We see the kingdom of heaven on earth take over families, take over towns, take over cities, nations, culture, government. Look at the Chinese church. You say, well, it's underground and it's largely atheistic in their country. Yeah, that's true. But it's growing. It's expanding. Hebrews 11.33, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. Wrought righteousness equals uh, uh, means administered justice. So who through faith subdued kingdoms? We're, we're seeing that that has happened in the Old Testament. It's happened in the New Testament. You can read through church history. That is the case. And that happened through people who had the kingdom in their heart, had the king in their heart. It's not a political revolution with a bloody battle like uh, against Rome, uh, Luke 19, 11. And as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable because he was nigh to Jerusalem and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear, that kingdom in the physical sense. But the kingdom of heaven was at hand. The kingdom of God was at hand. It just wasn't the way they were thinking. John 18, 36, Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews, but now is my kingdom not from hence. So basically, he's ruling and reigning from heaven. Who can war against the king? Who can overtake this kingdom? Nobody. It's, there's no chance because he's cast the devil and his angels out. There's no chance that anyone can usurp that thorn. So he is reigning and ruling from heaven right now. And he says, my kingdom's not of this world. We are going to claim back this territory. I've purchased it with my blood. Uh, then we see the militant conquest and expansion that happens in this present world. Matthew 19, 12. For there are some eunuchs which were so born from their mother's womb, and there are some eunuchs which were made eunuchs of men, and there be eunuchs which have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He that is able to receive it, let him receive it. So we find eunuchs, they were unmarried for the sake of the work of the kingdom, which helps us to believe this kingdom is alive and well and present right here. Otherwise, that verse makes no sense. Luke 18, 29 through 30. And he said unto them, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or parents or brethren or wife or children for the kingdom of God's sake, who shall not receive manifold more in this present time and in the world to come life everlasting. So we realize the kingdom, according to this, is very present and real right now here on this earth. And then there's going to be the glory kingdom that that comes uh, later. So this kingdom is alive and present and it will just kind of metamorphosis into the glory kingdom, according to Jesus, according to what we can read inside of the Bible. And we find that we're working in this kingdom on this present world, according to what Jesus said. Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. 
there's a lot that can be said right there, but I have to leave that off just for sake of time. So this kingdom is made up of saints and sinners. This present kingdom is this world made up of saints and sinners, according to the scriptures. It seems like it kind of butts heads in some respect, but when you look through the scriptures itself, it plainly states these two things together in tension right now until the glorious kingdom. So, listener, what is your view on the kingdom? Is your view that the devil's going to win? Because Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. I say this to you, whatever our view may be about how everything ends, to help us be wide awake right now. Because the kingdom, though there is a kingdom that is going to be in the future and we're going, it's going to be unveiled, we're going to see it, and it's going to be all in its glorious splendor and there won't be anything inside of it of sin and wickedness whatsoever, the kingdom is still right now. It's made up of saints and sinners. And if you are a born-again believer, then you have the power of the kingdom inside your breast and you can infect, you can infect and affect a change in the world that we're living in right now because God owns it and the fullness thereof. You should just give us a call. We'd love to meet with you. You can call us at 570-362-7782. Tell your friends about the social media. Tell your friends about this uh, broadcast here. Look for it, YouTube, Gab, podcasts, all that kind of stuff. But above all, join the resistance, God's resistance. Thank you to Spectacular Sound Productions for giving permission for the use of the song Heroes and Monsters, which was edited and used in part on this production. The permission was granted under Attribution Share Alike 4.0 International Creative Commons license. That license may be found at https colon forward slash forward slash creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by hyphen essay forward slash 4.0 forward slash legal code.